Okay, today we continue with the design in the S-plane. Last lecture was about design in the frequency domain. It's not that design in the S-plane is uh, so much leads to a so much different result, but it gives you a different view on the uh, on the design. So we especially use the root locus uh, method. Uh, so it will be again about the design of lag and lead networks. So we will look for a similar design. Then the trick was to place the networks at the proper location. That can be done with uh, using the root locus in a special form called the tau locus for a lead network. Uh, we also consider systems with time delay. That's also important in relation to uh, digital systems eh? because time delay, if you have a digital system, is always a time delay. But you can also have time delays in, uh, for instance, uh, transportation systems. Eh? If you, uh, you have a water pipe, eh? water comes in at one place. If it's hot, then it takes some time before it comes out. The shower is a good example of a system with time delay. Non-minimum phase systems. Okay, so the question was and is again design a proportional controller such that the system has a damping ratio of 0.7 which implies in the frequency domain a phase margin of 70 degrees for the process well same process as last time so one pole in the origin pole in minus one and pole in minus ten and a DC gain of one so the basic control system is again this one we have the process and the controller and when we start with the most simple controller, proportional controller, uh, the situation simplifies into this case, where we only have Kc as parameter to be adjusted. So when we draw the root locus, well, we have seen that uh, before, of course. Uh, we have the pole in the origin, pole in minus 1, and the pole in minus 10. And the root locus is uh, like this. So we have already computed in uh, one of the formal lectures what the maximum gain is we can allow here and where we strive after is yeah, yeah. poles to be around here. Hmm? So that means we, uh, we can zoom in because this doesn't play a major role, the pole far away. and It's a factor of 10 further away than the, the pole in minus one from the origin. So that may be that to a certain extent for lower gains we can disregard it because if we look at the root locus here, it's the same as the root locus for only two poles. Yeah. It, it would go straight up. But this is a situation we certainly want to omit. We want to stay away from the K gain K is 11 and where the system becomes unstable. Yeah. So that's the desired pole location. We zoom in and we see that we have here, well, it's almost uh, in the middle yeah, on, on this line, but just a little bit to the right. It's a little bit worse because the pole far away. And here we can compute even by hand. Is this That can easily be done what the gain should be. So we draw these uh, these vectors, these, uh, and that allows us to compute the uh, root locus gain, which is uh, 0.5 times square root 2, and that's squared because this is the same. Mm -hmm. And then we have this one, well, we maybe 9.5, and well, let's approximate it to 10. Huh? That implies that uh, if we compute the DC gain, the system gain, uh, which is uh, the root locus gain divided by 1 times 10, we find a gain of 0.5, which we have seen before that uh, it's a rather low gain. So such a system will not be a very accurate system and will be slow. Hmm? Oh. So this is the response. Peak time of about uh, 5, 6 seconds. Hmm? It's really a slow response, and what's even more important in such a case is the disturbance suppression. So when we consider the effect of a disturbance, a disturbance at the input of the system, we have this uh, diagram, and we have seen that in the former lecture, with 20 sim, that if we have the, a disturbance of 0.2, this is the response, and that gives a steady state error of 0.4, so the steady state error is 0.2 divided by uh, 0.5, which is the gain, and that gives us the steady state error 0.4. The question is, of course, it was a type 1 system, and maybe you remember type 0 systems had a steady state with a step input, 
type 1 systems had a steady state error 0 when we have a step input. Mm-hmm. So how is that possible? When we look here again, when we talked about uh, steady state errors, we considered uh, step inputs or step disturbances at the output. Well, in the steady state, uh, we talk about epsilon in the steady state, these transients are over. Uh, so this, is, this behaves as, as a gain, uh, these two time constants. So if you wait long enough, the influence of the... the the, the, the time constant is, is over, so the final value, if you have a step 1 here at the input, you have k at the output, and again, k times k here at this output. So here is a constant value, a kind of step, but the step is integrated, and what happens when we integrate the step? We get a ramp input, a constant slope. So in fact, this input, this disturbance at the input of the system is actually a ramp disturbance at the output of the system. Yeah? Yeah. So that's correct that even if there's an integrator in the loop, there's a ramp disturbance at the output, we have a steady state error equal to, in this case, 0.2 divided by the loop gain, which is 0.5. So the result is indeed correct and So instead of using this one for the steady state uh, considerations, we can consider this system, and that is a ramp input here. Okay. Well, what happens if we uh, make the gain 10 times higher, gain 5? Our pulse are there, and that is a situation where the damping is much too low. Considering the S-plane, what we want to achieve, we want this gain, so we can do nothing on, on the gain, that's not a parameter anymore, but we want to move the poles to the left, eh, to a position uh, about here. Eh? Yeah. This is the uh, 0.7 line, so we want our poles here. How can we draw the poles to the left? We need something that attracts the poles, eh? yeah. which is a zero. Eh? If we can place a zero anywhere here, that may attract the poles in this direction. There are other ways of obtaining a good result, but this is, uh, this is indeed the most effective way. If we can add a zero, then we can draw the poles to the left. But the response without any compensator is, uh, is like this, which is, uh, is fast, much faster than we had before. And the influence of the disturbance, which is present here, we hardly see. And there is a very small steady-state gain. So the steady-state gain is okay. The uh, speed of the response is okay, but the damping is far too low. So the steady-state gain is in, indeed uh, ten times smaller. But the steady-state error is ten times smaller. Uh, one of the options is a lag network. That's not directly putting a zero here, but it's more in the low frequency domain. And we have seen in the, the frequency plot that the lag network is in, in the lower frequencies. So we can do something uh, near the origin. A lag network in this case would be, so this is the pole in minus one. A lag network has a zero, for instance, in uh, minus 0.10 and a pole in minus uh, 100th which is very close to the origin. Well, we have seen the results in the frequency domain, so that should work here as well. It's just another consideration of what happens. So if you look at the root locus, the root locus will be like this. So there will be a piece of the root locus between the poles, a piece of the root locus going from minus 1 to the, to the 0. And then when we continue, we get a circle. We have seen this before. If the pole was not there, we had a perfect circle, but of course then there must be happen something here, yeah. and that implies that the root locus goes like this. So what we see, if we look at the complete root locus, so we have, uh, instead of having a gain 0.5, we now have a gain 5, and we have this network with uh, A greater than, uh, than 1, A is 10 in this case, and we see that the root locus is almost the same. 
except for the beginning part, but that's not of interest, but because we are interested around 0.7, and that it moves a little bit to the right. So that is uh, an undesired situation, it moves to the right, because we want to have it further away from the origin in order to have a quicker system. But apparently this should help, we have seen that. The question is now, why does this help? So we zoom in, and we compute again here for... Uh, the pole location in 0.7. We compute the gain, so we have what we had before, this distance times square root 2, this distance times square root 2, and then the 10, but we have more. The network contributes with 0.5, square root 0.5, what will, uh, square root 2, the zero is so close to the origin that it's the same. Yeah. So the root locus gain doesn't change. Okay. And it is just uh, one. Hmm? Yeah. That implies that if we now go to the uh, system gain, we had before 5 divided by 1 times 10, but we now have also to take into account the locations of the pole and the zero, the, the zero in point 0.1, the pole in point 0.01, and this is a factor 10, so that gives us a gain 5. The system gain improves, the root locus gain remains the same, also because the, the root locus itself remains almost the same. Yeah. So, we look at the uh, response in the time domain now. This is the result where we had no network, and with a network we have... And this is with the... Uh, Case 0.5, no network, where we had a bad disturbance behavior and a response like this. When we add the network, we see that on the long term, the steady state error goes to the situation of the higher gain, which is correct. Uh, the tangent is a little bit worse. We have seen already that the root locus indeed moves a little bit to the right. And for gain 5, we, uh, we, have, we can expect a lower damping and then a little bit more overshoot. Of course, we can decrease the gain, but then the steady-state error will be worse. Okay. So we have seen before, that these are responses that are not new, that a lag network improves the low-frequency behavior here, mm -hmm. but doesn't affect too much the transient. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's slightly worse, but with a little bit lower gain, we could improve that. Eh? So the stability margins are worse, but the disturbance suppression is, uh, is okay. So when the process uh, again changes from 1 to 2, we, uh, we could see what, what happens, and that certainly affects the, uh, the behavior. Eh? Well, there's an experiment you can do yourself. Eh? So conclusions now for, for the lag network. Almost no influence on the shape of the root locus at the desired location of the closed loopholes. Mm -hmm. Dynamics are indeed similar to the low gain system. And there is almost no influence on uh, KL accent. But the good thing comes that the uh, system gain increases with a factor A. In this case, uh, we have selected A being 10. And of course, we can reduce the gain a little bit in order to have slightly better transient. For, for systems where the transient is not very important, it doesn't have to be very fast, then you can use such a low-frequency domain compensation. The lag network is located close to the origin. It's a kind of deep pole. The pole and zero are so close to the origin that uh, there is almost no influence on the shape of the root locus. Then when we have the dominant pole, which was the pole where the phase, uh, phase lag becomes min minus 180 degrees, so we have the pole in the origin, we have the second pole which, which dominates the response, mm -hmm. uh, that's the pole in minus 1. The zero we select a factor as a rule of thumb, eh? a factor 10 at the right of the dominant pole, and then the uh, pole is a factor A at the right of the zero again, and A is typically also 10. So these are rules of thumb you can, uh, can live with. Okay, then the lead network. The idea of the lead network is to uh, apply phase lead in the uh, critical frequencies, and we have discussed already that that should be by means of a zero, which draws the root locus 
to the left. The network should be located in the neighborhood of the dominant pole. It is not near the origin, but in this neighborhood it should start its, uh, its work. So the most simple thing you could do is put the zero of the lead network exactly on the pole. Then you, uh, you cancel the pole, well you get a, to another pole back here, in this case it's typically on the pole in minus 10, because this distance is also 10, yeah. but that will give you a better root locus. So this is the result. But you can do a little bit better by moving the, the zero a little bit more to the left. And we have seen in the frequency domain that that's quite some difficult uh, procedure. But if you look at the responses uh, with this situation, we see indeed that uh, for KS5 we have now a very fast response. The damping indeed is uh, a little bit uh, lower than, uh, than what we had here. But the uh, steady state error is okay and the re response is fast. Of course this is an can be an expensive solution because if you uh, you have to make an amplifier which makes this able, eh? suppose this is a, a motor which you want to turn very fast, you need a high current to uh, to accelerate the motor. Eh? Yeah. That means you have to buy an, an expensive amplifier. Eh? Yeah. So the question now is how to find the optimal uh, time constant of the uh, the lead network. You can do that by trial and error. Well, you have a computer available. It's not so difficult to play a little bit with the zero and uh, move the network. Uh, you can do an optimization in, uh, in 20 sim. You can draw also the tau locus. We have seen already the tau locus for a parameter KD and when we did the, uh, the basic root locus. Uh, optimization is, uh, is also a way of doing it. And we have seen already the application of optimization when we uh, considered uh, identification before. So the basic idea is that here we have the network, here we have the disturbance, and we say, well, we want to reduce the, the maximum peak in the overshoot. So I determine the maximum here, and I adjust the time constant of the lead network in such a way that the peak is minimized. Well, we can demonstrate that. There it is. So we unpack it, we don't convert it now. Here is the model. This is the original situation and then we are going to tune the, the time constant. And this is a result we can obtain, and here we have the final value of the uh, of the time constant, which is uh, 0.06. So if we compute that in terms of poles, it's about uh, 16 uh, minus 16. So that means that we have the pole in minus 16 and the zero in minus 1.6. Okay. So it's indeed further to the left than the uh, location in minus uh, minus one. So the Indeed, the overshoot is, uh, is slightly smaller, and this seems to be a nice response. Okay, we can choose other criteria. That's the advantage of uh, solving the problem with a simulation program. You can choose any criterion. There are other methods uh, for optimization, but then you are often uh, you often have to use uh, quadratic criterion only. Well, we can uh, can also plot uh, the, the all the points computed during the optimization, and then we see the value of the criterion, or, or the, in this case, the amount of overshoot, and we indeed see that this is uh, this is a minimum. Mm -hmm. Well, I rounded here a little bit. Said zero in minus 1.5, pole in minus 15, or 16, but that's the result. If we have the zero at the right of the, uh, the pole in minus one, the response uh, really deteriorates. We, we get more and more overshoot, so that's uh, something you, you never should do. Always keep the zero at the left of this pole in, in minus one in this case. So this was a situation where we put the, uh, the zero of the network uh, exactly on the, uh, the dominant pole. Uh, 
This is when we put a zero in minus 0.5, which is a quite a wrong choice. And this is what we achieve as the zero in minus 1.6. So we make the system a little bit slower, but we have less overshoot. And the only way with this configuration to reduce the overshoot is to select a slightly lower gain. And so the gain is, uh, is slightly too high, probably in this case. Hmm? Yeah. And there's another effect that uh, you'll see that later, that the zero of the network also increases the overshoot. So the basic rule for tuning a, a lead network is to choose the zero of the lead network always a little bit at the left of the dominant pole. Uh, the most exact solution we can do is uh, using the tau locus. Well, that's uh, quite some uh, manipulation. So we, here we have the transfer function with the, with the network. Uh, the root locus equation is 1 plus HL is 0. So when we write that, we get this equation. Well, I go quickly through the steps. You can read that yourself more into detail. So we rearrange uh, all the terms. And then it's important to realize that at a certain moment... You can split the equation with a part where the tau is present and the part where the tau is not present. Well, in fact, we have now two unknowns, tau and, and kL prime. Uh, but uh, kL prime has been predetermined. We have selected already that kL prime should be 5. So we can put that 5 and then we, uh, we can solve this equation. We can do that by... In fact, this is a root locus equation again. So if we say, well, this is a root locus equation for KL prime, then we can draw the poles, see what the poles are for KL prime is 5. Then we have these poles. This is, these are slightly, this is, yeah, this is the same equation, huh? yeah. same poles, an extra S, and the tau. So we can do that when we write tau is 1 over B. We get this root locus equation, which is the similar form, the, 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 the well-known form 1 over KL prime. Yeah, we, that's the reason why we inverted the tau, because in this case we have a, at least an equation where we have more poles than zeros. Yeah, that's what we are used to, otherwise we would have more zeros than poles. But that would be the inverse equation. So these are two this is a root locus equation, and when we fill that in, we have another root locus equation for the tau locus. So, we find the zeros of the equation by solving uh, this one. Well, we have seen that in fact before, because that was the situation where we have the loop gain 5, KL prime is 50. And in the same way, we can find the equations here, the, the, the poles here, but then the gain is 10 times higher. So that's the same root locus, but now for a gain of uh, 50 or 500 root locus gain. So when we do that, we draw the root locus of the uncompensated system, we find the zeros, we find the poles, and then we can draw the tau locus. Well, I will show it here. So if we draw the root locus of the uh, of the uncompensated system, this was the root locus. So for k is 5, we found these values. We have seen that before. For k is 500, we found these values. And of course, here we also find a zero and a pole. What we have to add is... Uh, a pole in the origin now for, for the, uh, the final root locus. And then we get this root locus. So this is the pole we added. Uh, that goes to that zero. That goes further away. And this pole moves from here to there. Uh, it's not a problem that we have poles in the right half plane. Because this is just for determining the, the poles which should be located here. And the best location with respect to damping is selecting the poles here. Of course, you can say, well, damping 0.7, I can be a little bit further away. That will make the system faster. And always remember, the root locus gives you the roots, gives you the poles. It doesn't tell you anything about the zeros. So the, the zeros uh, stay on their original place. 
So when you have determined the, the optimal value of tau, so here we have the maximum damping ratio, we find uh, B is uh, about 17.5, and that means that our tau is uh, 0.057, which is very close to the 0 .6, uh, 0 0.06 we found before. And so the result is not so much different, but this gives you also an in an idea of the sensitivity. Eh? You can play with the, the gain here if you use do it in 20 sim, and then see what uh, see what, what happens for uh, for a slightly different uh, time constant. Uh, is it going very fast? Is it very critical, or is it uh, is it not so critical? It should be possible to do it here. This is not a really square picture, so we make it a little bit better scaled. And now we uh, switch on the root locus, and here it is. And so we can now see what happens with the uh, with the time constant. So the, here the the, the the plant, it's now called the gain because it's root locus. Along the root locus is a gain, but the fact that's our parameter B. Huh? And we can see that there is here a region where the, the B can really change a little bit. If we increase the uh, B, the, the damping uh, the, the damping decreases again. System gets slower, and we increase it. Also, the damping is uh, decreased, but the system gets faster. Yeah. And we also see that a pole here. Hmm? We, there's also a pole moving here. You see the, the, the dot moving with the uh, with the arrow. Yeah. So there's something happening as well, which we didn't consider too much. So it makes sense to to have a look at the uh, at the final result. This is just the poles, and mainly we concentrate on the dominant poles. So the idea was this was the original root locus where we had a pole and zero on the root locus. We draw the tau locus. We determine now the final root locus, which is the result of a pole in the origin, a pole in minus one, mm -hmm. a zero here, and a pole there. And then for the selected gain and selected tau, we find an intersection here. So that means that we have selected our uh, our pole location, uh, our, our uh, time constant here. And with the gain five, we have our poles here. But remember that if we would draw the... Uh, the poles are zero plot of the original system. We have pole here, pole there, but a zero here. And this zero, the zero makes a response always faster. So the zero is responsible for the overshoot. So we can select a damping here of 0.7, but the damping is not really uh, what, what the damping would be with a second order system. First of all, that there is a pole further away, which has its influence, but also the zero plays a role. And the zero is much more important than that pole far away. But the zero in increases the overshoot. Okay. Once again, all the uh, responses, optimization result, tau locus. Well, it is it's almost similar. You, can, you don't see the difference. And again, if you do the design right in the uh, frequency domain, the result is not so much different, but the uh, but, but you get some more insight in what happens by looking at different domains. And yeah. Well, I explained already, in fact, this question. Why is the overshoot much larger than the 4% corresponding with uh, damping ratio 0.7? Well, that's the... Uh, these are the closed loop poles. We, we have this zero. And again, there was also a branch of the root locus going from the... Uh, the, the pole uh, in, in minus 10 going to the zero, so there is a, a pole and a zero close together here, so this pole damps the influence of the zero, but the zero is more to the right, so the zero has more influence than the pole, and that increases the overshoot. There are a few things you could do. This one can be disregarded. Hmm? This causes the extra overshoot, so the question is, is there a way to get rid of it? Mm -hmm. 
one thing we could do, because we know that this is a zero due to the network, we exactly know its location. So what we could do, we could put a network in front of the system, where we compensate this zero and the pole by means of a pre-filter. So if we make a, a filter with a pole here and a zero there, we completely cancel this uh, this network. So this without the pre-filter, if we add the pre-filter, that is in, outside the closed loop system. And I can better show that here because that shows us where the filter is. Question asked. No. So this is the, the, the plant. This is the compensator. And F, we didn't use that so much before. When we look at the pole zero plot of the pre-filter, we have this. It's exactly what we uh, we wanted. We can now look at the response and the pole zero plot of the response. We see things happening here, but it's inter interesting to look at the step response, and we indeed see that uh, we now have four percent overshoot. And the influence of the, uh, the zero is, has completely been cancelled. Mm -hmm. Another way we could do is uh, putting the lead network in the feedback loop uh, with proper parameters that gives a good effect. If the parameters are not so well tuned, it's, uh, the result is not always positive. But if we uh, look at the transfer from the reference to the controlled variable, because the network is now in the feedback, if there is a zero of the network, it will behave as a pole in the, uh, in the closed loop system. So that means that it in fact gives uh, extra damping. Okay. So this is what happens when we, uh, we put the network in the, uh, in the feedback uh, loop. We get a, a pole here instead of the zero, and that uh, indeed gives uh, extra damping. And this uh, zero we had here moves to uh, to that location. Hmm? And looking at the responses, this is uh, well, you could say it's almost a perfect response. Hmm? So comparing all the results, also with the result in the frequency domain, we see that the frequency domain had slightly more overshoot, and here we have slightly less overshoot, but at the at the price uh, that we, we are a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, there's no reason why you can't combine the two. So this is the result of the root locus with the lead network. If we add the lag network just computers, what happens is that we have quite a similar root locus, but slightly more to the right. And that we can increase the system gain again with a factor 10. Most cases in the forward path and the feedback path. Oh, I didn't have them here. I have to show that. So in this case, we have the network in the feedback part, the, the lead network, not the lag network. That would uh, have an opposite effect. Well, that gives an almost perfect response here. And we see that the steady state error, which is uh, still uh, present here, goes further to, to zero by uh, by the lag network. So the network, lag network now really improves the lower frequencies. The lead network improves also the lower frequencies, but gives you a fast response as well. Okay. Conclusions. 
a lag network, dynamics of the system remain approximately the same. There's almost no change in the speed in the shape of the root locus. The root locus gain is the same. The system gain can be a factor A higher. A lead network, faster dynamics, the poles move away from the origin, and also the accuracy improved in a similar way as with the lag network, but it's uh, more demanding for the uh, instrumentation. So compensation networks can indeed improve the dynamic performance transients. So that's the, the thing most people don't realize when they have a, a dynamic system and then when they use feedback they, they get phenomena they don't understand but it's all about dynamics and you have to use dynamics uh, dynamic compensators to, to do something. That means that uh, a lead network means that you take into account a little bit of the, the, the speed of the change and a lag network it means that you you have a kind of integration. You, you see well, what has happened in the past and learn from that more or less. Well, a learning system is a, is a very uh, uh, strong word for, for this effect, but in fact that's what happens. And as a rule of thumb, lead network at a zero a little bit at the left of the dominant pole and a lag network at a zero a factor 10 at the right of the dominant pole. Okay, systems with delay. That's a completely different chapter. Uh, a system, the most simple system with delay you can write is a system where you have just a simple time constant, gain one, and a delay, which can be expressed as a e to the power minus s tau td. In this case, we also select td as one. Uh, so we have one second delay, and then an in addition, a time constant. So this is typically what you could uh, feel when you are under the shower. You have the, the mixing, mixing phenomena of the water, which uh, gives rise to the, to the time constant and also the, the heating up of the pipes on the way. But also the flow of water needs some time to go from the uh, from the valve to the uh, to the outlet. So you find it in all systems with transportation legs, shower, a, a big refinery where you have long, uh, long pipes, but also in digital control systems. Everywhere where a computer is involved, you have a sample delay at least. Well, control of such systems is uh, quite, uh, quite difficult. So we, we have this very simple system with the delay and the time constant. We use a proportional controller. We have a disturbance as well. And we see what, uh, what, what happens. For gain, gain k is 1. Well, the dynamics are not too bad, but the steady state error is, is huge. Mm -hmm. If we increase the gain even with a factor 2, which is not too much, the dynamics become terrible. The accuracy improves on only a little. And when we go further, the system will become unstable. It's interesting to have a look at the root locus uh, in this case. Well, in fact, we do the same as we did before. We write the root locus equation. And the only problem now is this, uh, this term, because our rules of thumb are not uh, designed for, for this term. So we have to go back to the consideration of uh, amplitude and phase. So the, 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 the modulus here is, uh, is this term. And the, uh, when we fill in that S is uh, alpha plus J omega, we see that the argument of this expression is that uh, it's equal to minus omega tau D, TD, minus the argument of S plus pi. We had this term before, this is, this is new now. That means if we look here at... Uh, lines where, where, where omega is constant, so omega is in this case pi over td. This gives us a, with pi over td, we have a phase lag of minus pi, mm -hmm. here due to the uh, time delay alone. And all points of the root locus are the points where the, uh, the argument is minus pi. So anywhere in between zero and, and, and here we, we, we have points of the root locus so we can now look at the pole and say well 
the pole gives a phase contribution here of minus pi over 2. Here, the phase contribution of the pole is minus pi over 4. And this is 3, 3 pi over 4. Similarly, 3 pi over 4 from the, from the pole and um, pi over 4 from the uh, delay. So you can draw a root locus just following the, the, the phase rules. And you have here your root locus. And you see, although this is a simple first order system, it easily gets unstable. But the situation is even worse. When we look here, this is minus pi, this is minus 3 pi. So again, that's equal eh, to, to minus pi. So there must be points here as well. So this is also a branch of the root locus. And that continues until infinity. Okay. So a system with, uh, with delay has an infinite number of closed loopholes. And that's exactly what happens in, in digital systems. That, that's why this type of continuous approach is not very suited for, for digital systems. Yeah. There we consider only a part of it for the analysis. And that means that the dominant behavior is here close to the origin. And so the the first crossing of the root locus with the uh, J omega axis, where the system becomes unstable, is in this primary region. We call this the primary region. Okay. So if we only consider the primary region, we can say things about stability. Later on, we will consider this in the, in the frequency domain and see that if you have a spectrum of a signal, of a continuous time signal, that spectrum is repeated for, for higher frequencies. And it has to do with things like uh, Shannon's theorem. Uh, that if you, uh, you you want to have a good sampling, you, you must take care that there's not uh, overlap of these frequency spectra. We will see that later on when we talk about digital systems. Well, the rest are uh, a few examples. But f with respect to the, 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 the finite number of poles, we have an infinite number of branches, and this uh, delay can be modeled uh, as an infinite number of poles in uh, minus infinity. Uh, so all these poles get branches in the uh, root locus, and that gives us the, uh, the non-primary regions. But the stability is completely determined by the primary regions, which is very important for the analysis. Well, compensation. Uh, uh, the problem with a time delay is that the, the gain of such an element is constant, mm -hmm. but the phase lag increases linearly with the frequency. This also implies, if we look at a time delay in the frequency domain, that the phase in, in this uh, logarithmic scale, the phase goes exponentially down. Mm -hmm. Well, in phase well, was always a problem with stability, and in, I would say, in normal systems, if you have just a time constant, the phasing is going more and more negative, but the, the gain is also lower. But because the gain remains constant for stability, this is really a terrible element. That implies that because the phase goes exponentially, a lead network which compensates the phase can never do any good. It, it's just too, too not powerful enough. So the only thing you can do is... Uh, a lag network of even pure integral control. Okay. Pure integral control, which is the, or you could say, the ultimate uh, lag network. So the pole is really in the origin. Uh, that implies that uh, the, the system will be, will be slow, because the integrator will make the system much slower. But the accuracy can be considerably improved. So we can look at this in 20SIM. Okay, yes to all, no. So this is the system we are considering. This is the case where we have uh, integral control with a gain 1. But the situation without the integral control, the, the, the response was okay, but the steady state error was very poor. Well, this gives a very reasonable result. 
Uh, you can of course uh, no, no the gain is 0.5 excuse I can gain, make the gain uh, 0.1 which will make the system slower but the steady state error will still be okay if we wait long enough okay. and we can also make the gain 1 and then you see the risk yeah? so that it's very tricky yeah? you have to choose a proper gain and then you can get a reasonable response with integral control if the uh, delay is really dominant present well this just to play with, with a little bit more complex systems in this case with, with an in, in the integral control yeah, but the, the results are similar yeah, you can get uh, you can determine the, the stability border but you cannot determine the response. You cannot say I have a pole here because there are much more poles everywhere around. So it tells you nothing about the response. That is how to compute it. Well, this is a slightly lower gain and even even better, but slower. It's a matter of time scale. So the bandwidth of systems with time delay is always limited. They are inherently slow if you have a proper control. Integral control improves the accuracy because any other compensation doesn't much good. Uh, there's one other way to deal with uh, this time delays that's the so-called Smith predictor. That is, you try to control the system as if there was no time delay. Yeah. So you try to predict what's going to happen. Uh, this requires a model of the system, so you must know quite well how the system behaves. So this is the system. The, 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 the process and we make a uh, so-called Smith predictor which is equal to this term minus the original processes we have to know the time delay and the time constant in order to make such a system but if we know the, the time constant and the time delay and the gain we have a model of the system and we can use that so if we add the two HP plus H switch predictor we see that we just have a system which is the original system without a time delay and because we can determine the output of HP and the output of H Smith predictor we can have make a signal which is the original system without a time delay and if you control this one it will be just a delay before the control result will be visible, but it will help. So this can also be written in a different way, which, which helps to, uh, to, to realize that. So this, uh, this element uh, provides the output during the delay time. So this is uh, the system... The, the original process, this is the controller, which is now a PI controller. And we have not only the integral action, we also proportional action. And the Smith predictor is here. The realization of the time constant. And here the 1 minus the time delay. And when we add all this, we have only this part. We saw that just in the formula manipulations. It's not so easy to see here. But this is to the realization. Yeah. So this is what happens with uh, perfect parameters. So the reference is the uh, the purple one. The process response is the, the red one. You see nothing happens the first 10 seconds. This is a time delay of 10 seconds. Well, it's correct because there is a time delay. The output cannot change, but the Smith predictor predicts that this will happen. And as soon as it happens really, it's subtracted again. So together, this gives, uh, gives one. Hmm? So in fact the, the control is, is more or less uh, finished be, before the response starts in this case. Eh? Yeah. And this is the feedback uh, signal, eh? the, the, the green one. I can, I can split it and you can see what happens. Eh? 
when I change now the parameters, for instance, uh, I have the uh, the delay in the Smith predictor. Suppose we estimate that uh, not correct. Hmm? You could say, well, let's uh, assume that we uh, we think it's nine instead of the the real value ten. Well, you see, then the situation is is less good. Still, it's uh, quite acceptable compared with what we had before. But then, after 20 seconds and after almost 30 seconds, we we see some strange things happen. Uh, of course, we can also go in the other direction and make it 11. Uh, well, we better clean this first. Well, a similar bad behavior, but now, of course, not above the, uh, the the reference, but below the reference. But still, compared with what we had before, it, it's, it's not too bad. And it's really a, a, a bad delay, of yeah, 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, these are the responses for, uh, for different situations. Hmm? Finally, we have non-minimum phase system. That these are systems where the response first goes into the wrong direction. Hmm? If you want to go up, it first goes down, and then it goes up. You you see that uh, in several cases where you have parallel uh, parallel branches in a system. But if the zero is in the right half plane. If we draw the root locus, it's, it's like this. So for all gains which are high enough, even, even although this is a second order system, and finally with the, the zero, it, it is effectively far away. It would be a first order system. It becomes unstable. It will always become unstable for a high gain. So a zero in the right half plane is uh, something which is uh, difficult in, uh, to control well. In this case, even for K is 1, the system becomes unstable. Mm-hmm. And this is the type of response you get for K is 1. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can select lower gains, but still, the response is not so nice. It always goes into the wrong direction first and then settles the final value. So the performance of a non-minimum phase system is limited. For high gains, always unstable. In that sense, uh, you might prefer to have poles in the right half plane. The open loop system will be unstable in this case. But when you add a high enough gain, the system will always become stable. In fact, you are an example of such a system. Hmm? Yeah. When you stand upright, yeah. your control takes care that you don't fall down. Hmm? Yeah. If your control is not well enough, like little children, children, you see that uh, things go, may go wrong. Hmm? They have to to learn the proper feedback. Okay. So open loop and stable systems can be stabilized by means of feedback.